Are you like me and thought one day, I want to start a podcast? Well, it's easy. All you do is go to Anchor FM and sign up for free. Then all you do is you can record from your computer or your phone. And next thing you know, all you do is upload your episode. And then like magic, Anchor just goes and releases it everywhere to Apple, to Spotify. You name it, it releases it there. It's easy, it's simple, it's fun to use, and like me, I'm not very technical oriented. Again, easy. Not like the rapper, but it's easy, if you get what I mean. So again, go to Anchor FM, sign up, and uh, start being a content or podcast creator today. third eye, prying open your thought, truth, and reality, questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome to my third eye. And we were taken immediately when we landed at the base like in an underground hangar on, on Mars. We landed when we got off the ship, they put bags over our heads and put us on another small craft and flew us to a forward base, to a forward underground base that had like, I remember five levels, but it might've been more, but I remember there were like five levels of it that it went underground and the top level was like. All right, welcome back to another episode of My Third Eye, where we uh, try to get to the, the bottom of different odd subjects and on that note uh my guest tonight uh was involved in a secret military uh space operation and went on what they call a 20 and back um i'm just gonna leave it there you can uh you can listen to the episode to to figure it out what a 20 and back is uh you might have to listen to this one more than once because it 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 it's full of a lot of information and uh i, I first came across him um, on an, another podcast back in the day 
and I was intrigued for, uh, about his story and what he, he, he went through. And he, he's been on other podcasts as, as well. But I wanted to hear his, his, his side of things, you know, firsthand and bring it to you, my listeners. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And um, having said that, uh, I, I'm going to take care of a, a little housekeeping. And we know where we're going to go first. And that's Kelly Fitzshizzle with, with the Curcumin. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. My wife and I love and rant and rave about it. And I tell everybody that I know that has inflammation of some sort about it. And, you know, they end up buying it and seeing seeing exactly the, the changes that I see. Um, on a different note, go over to my link tree. Um, you can find everything there that, that you need, uh, including a link to Kelly's um, uh yeah, Instagram page, and I don't know why I brain farted, but I did. But yeah, go over there, uh, hit curcumin, and I'll take you right there, and you can DM her and get your own curcumin. Uh, on the same link tree, you can go to the merch, where it'll take you to my Teespring, and you can get some, you know, shirts, hats, mugs, whatever. And I, tr- I tried to drop the, the prices the best I could uh, until something down the road might might pop up uh, a little differently hopefully i don't know um looking at some different avenues but but for now go there uh just just hit the merch link uh if, if you're interested in uh who does my outro uh song called batshit it's nosy you can click his link and it'll take you to his spotify and uh telegram uh, instagram email uh and don't forget if <laughs> the patreon's growing and and i can't tell you guys enough thank you for, for for growing that in such a short amount of time and uh i love it go to patreon sign up it's five dollars for one whole month and you get every talk at the tavern i'm also thinking uh of different things and different ways uh that i could put extra content on that five dollar tier or maybe start a three dollar tier so if you guys have any ideas, email me. Uh, it's show requests, you know, anything, feedback, you know, get a hold of me. I, I'd love to hear from from each and every one of you because you know you, you tune in every week and you know you, you listen. And w- without you guys listening, I wouldn't be here. And without the Patreons uh, starting up and you know building uh, a little following there. You know, hopefully that can lead to, to bigger and better things, uh, like some new equipment down the road, hopefully. You know, it, I, I'm making do with, with, with hand-me-downs here. And, uh, you know, come on, go over there. $5. It's it's better than a, a gallon of gas, you know what I mean? <laughs> you get yeah, you get good content. Whereas a gallon of gas, you know, you, you drive down the road and you don't you don't get anything out, out of it other than driving down the road. Uh, but, you know, that's equally important because it does take you to work so i'm gonna shut my dumb mouth and let this interview uh kick into two gear so i hope you guys like it again uh check out my link tree all the sites are, are on there that that for merch oh and and having said that when you go to the the merch site if you plug in promo code my third eye that's my the number three R D E Y E my third eye you'll get i believe it's 10 percent off your, your purchase so go there 
get you something. Uh, like I said, hopefully something better, you know, comes along and I, I can, you know, lower some costs even, even more. But for right now, you know, they're good products. You know, I, I, I ordered a bucket hat and uh, I, I like it. It's nice quality. So again, I've been rambling. Enjoy this show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of My Third Eye. Uh, this episode, I'm going to bring to you a, a very uh, special guest, uh, someone that I've listened to a few times on uh, the Confessionals podcast, and his his story just blew my mind. And I, it, to, to this day, I, it's still hard for me to wrap my head around it. But when you listen to his story, you're, let your imagination just just run wild because the the, the details that Tony gives is remarkable so on that note i give you tony rodriguez and tony thank you for coming and please let my listeners know wherever they can find you uh where they can contact you or find your patreon hi uh thanks for having me ghost um good to be here uh you know it's morphed in the beginning when i started talking publicly about what i went through i really thought i you know I was kind of naive in a way. I thought that I was going to do an interview and then go back home. And that was going to be the, the end of it, that it would be the people would talk about me, about my interview and they would ping back and forth, but it kind of took a life of its own. And, um, people started contacting me. That was the thing It's like one interview leads to another people call you up. Hey, come on my show, come and do my thing. And then I got on to, uh, the Gaia show. I was on cosmic disclosure. Okay. You know, a year or so in, I think I started talking in 16, I think it was early 18. I forget exactly when, but, and then I went there and then it was like, you know, endless interviews and I started my own thing um, eventually. And what happened is in between each interview is people will contact me and say, Hey man, I've been through the same thing. I, I think that I experienced something exactly like, I don't have all the memories that you do. Cause you know, I guess that's what's, um, unique is that I have a great deal of memory. Right. A lot of people have fragmented memories of being an abduction experience and, and serving, doing a job, you know, uh, being abducted. That's, that's the real phenomenon. So boil it down for anybody that's never heard it before for the 20 year tour career return program, they call it 20 and back. There's a lot of different names for it, but to boil it down, it's a phenomenon where people are being abducted by ETs mm -hmm. or member uh, factions of our own government like humans that will abduct them but basically abducted by ets and then put through a process where they can live for 20 years some people 40 some people go twice and do 40 some more oh, wow. uh, we've heard reports more so there's different technologies that they have access to do it it's a, something that our government has traded with extraterrestrials to acquire life extension technology and they're using it for soldiers slave labor you name it um just personnel that they're using in secret underground programs and it's colonizing space we already have quite a bit of infrastructure infrastructure in our own solar system from these programs so people can live their life on earth not come up missing and go and work in space for 20 years and come back and what they do is they have and you lose people when you say the time travel aspect of it but they have the ability to put people right live for 20 years and then put them right back in time to the night they were taken and in the body they were taken hmm. and put them back and they wake up not knowing. And if you 
really think about a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of abduction stories, they go, well, you know, we saw a craft and there was some lights flashing and then there was a gray and then I don't know what happened. And I just right. woke up, we felt different. I've been different ever since. I don't know. They go, well, and you get in and they go, like, I just don't know what happened, but I'm different. Yeah. And what people are realizing when they find my story and others like me, because there's a lot of people like me, is they go, oh my God, I wasn't just taken for one night. I was taken for years. Mm. And I, that's what all the, I have all these flashes of memories of having a job or having this or that. And they go, now it makes sense. They took me for years and people begin to unpack it. And so back to, you know, getting back to my website, the, that's what happened is, you know, I had thousands, literally a few thousand people reach up to me and say, man, I, I, after I got your info, I think I've been through the same exact thing, Tony, how, you know, what do I do? And uh, I couldn't keep up with everybody really. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I still can't, I still am terrible about it. Um, but I have a website that people, can consult me and it got it's turned into i i i i assembled that you know i always had my memories but they were very very fragmented so they didn't make sense and but they all kind of assembled in 2015 and i reached out to some researchers and worked with researchers and a lot of things that i was saying checked out so that um kind of gave me the balls to speak about it publicly and then i did a interview you know, a public interview for, I think it was ExoPolitics and then the radio show, in, you know, in the beginning. And uh, just kind of it all, it all went from there. But ever since then, I've basically put in every weekend doing this, like for the last seven, going on seven years now. Wow. You know, every weekend I've been working with either, either doing conference calls with people, working with people or doing interviews. And so after a while, I just couldn't keep up. And the website, I met somebody, a very talented um, person very business-minded and talent, super talented, Jackie Kenner. Her name is Jackie Pierce at the time. And uh, she set up my website for me and got me to monetize. I said, look, Tony, this takes time. You know, you got to charge people money and it'll weed out the weirdos. And mm -hmm. Not that I had many, but every once in a while you get somebody that's kind of, um, you know, like a, aggressive. Yeah, like a troll. Yeah, so, yeah, a troll. So you get a troll. You get the trolls, but it's, it's rare. Um but you know, there's a fee in there and it puts people out. So, and then Jackie also helped me was, uh, I think she went to college for like literature. Like I forget what her exact, uh, you know, having not really gone far in college myself, but she went for, uh, she's very good at it and she helped me write the book. And mm -hmm. I, uh, the book is very difficult to write because I had to relive a lot of the traumatic things that I experienced and, uh, writing it down was different than talking about it. Like I could talk to you in an interview about things that I, that happened, you know, being, you know, tortured and, and raped and th a lot of things that happened to me while I was gone in 20 years, you think about the morality of being able to take somebody for 20 years and put them back without them remembering it. It's a very slippery slope. And especially when you're talking about military programs, mm -hmm. but um, I got I to say, I got to commend you for, for even um, having the courage to even come out and talk about something like this. Um, because like you said, you, you know, you get the weirdos out there that, that might want to troll you. And, and with, with what you've went through and what you're going to explain to the audience of what you did go through, um, that's hard. Just, just even as like, even a child that might've went, had a bad family life and was abused on just that is hard for people to come out, let alone you're coming out, you know, on top of, you know, an ET experience being abducted and you know the i mean 
20 years ago, people would have ridiculed anybody. You know what I mean? It, but now it's, it's getting a little more accepted. And I, I like to like to see that because people like you I've, and, and others. I've had my share. Just, yeah. They, you, you guys know, need to get your stories out. I've had my share of uh, attack skeptics. And I, and, and I'm the first one to say, look, if you listen to, if you read my book or went to my website, read the bio, the bio is like hard to swallow. Right. If you read my book or listened to any of one of my interviews or a couple of my interviews and were skeptical, I totally, it would totally be weird if you weren't right. Right. So like you've listened to any of this stuff, alien abduction, and you're not skeptical. That's kind of strange in itself. You should, everybody should have a healthy skepticism for the amount. I just said time travel and aliens in the same, yeah. you know what I mean? Intro. I mean, and look so, how long it took Travis Walton's story to to finally be somewhat accepted. You know what I mean? And even now, right. there's, there's skeptics, but it's it's more, you know, accepted, you know, in 2022 than it was, you know, even even in 2020. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, people. Well, like I said, I'm not the only one, so I'm not the only point of reference. Neither is Travis anymore. Right. A lot of the people that have come forward, they didn't have the internet to back them up quickly. So I was really scared talking in the beginning. And I said to my first interviewer, what do I do? And, and they said, look, this is the safest thing you can do. Because once you talk publicly about it, if something bad happens to you, it vindicate, it validates you. Mm -hmm. So they won't, they leave you alone once everybody knows about, you know, once you start speaking about it. So speaking about it publicly has really been the defense against that. I, I believe, I got to believe that they're still giving people a hard time to come forward. Um, Oh, a friend sure. of mine spoke about it. Jason Rice was on Gaia and he and I spoke on the phone for a period of months before he had to walk away because he was getting his and his family were being uh, harassed and mm -hmm. uh, because he was giving out very, you know, kind of um, more like insider information on, on some of the programs and how the, how their structure, you know, how the organization, it worked. Right. He, he, I was basically a slave labor. He was somebody that was administrative. Okay. So they, they had to shut him up quick. Now, when you um, say he was harassed, are we talking like men in black, CIA, you know, yes. DOJ? And <laughs> the lots, lots of, it comes from different angles. You know, the big thing, like I, I get hackers quite a bit. I, you know, my phone is always hacked. Like it'll be clipping along really good. And then just one day the battery will be drained or people mm. will finish my sentence, know where I'm at, know what I'm doing next. That's you know, crazy. people, it's pretty easy to hack phones nowadays. Yeah. So, you think that it's got to be some talented hacker or somebody that's like really advanced, but really, you know, people that are wouldn't seem very techy that live in a trailer park and live out in the sticks can hack your phone. Oh yeah, and it's it's pretty easy stuff once you learn that it goes on. And a lot of people, uh, the best the best way to tell if your phone is hacked is to see how people behave mm. how, when behavior changes or somebody that's you know a coworker or something when you see their behavior changes because they're spying on all your messages, you know, Gotcha. but I get that a lot. I think Jason got some of that. And then his, he said his wife was followed for a period of days. You know, I don't want to talk too much about him because right. clearly he's, he's re, um, retracted his and he said message message understood and he's moved on. Gotcha. But um, he's not the only one. There's a lot of guys that have come forward that turned right around and said, no, I don't want to talk about it no more. And they had credible, um, very good evidence behind supporting their stories, you know, like myself. Hmm. Well, let's get into your story. Um, sure. I'm oh, I, like, I, I told you before we started, I I've been looking forward to this since I first reached out to you and, and today, the today finally came and I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do it. So, you know, take it away and take your time. 
and start start wherever you want and end wherever you want. Um, from the top, it's kind of hard to go from the top. It was a long, it was a long time ago. I was 10 years old and I went to school in the Midwest in Southern Michigan here. And, um, it was an old school, the first consolidated school in the United States or the world for that matter. So it had a historical value. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons this kid went there. And I was in the talented and gifted program with tag It's called mm -hmm. tag top 5% of the school. And we met and went on Wednesdays, Wednesday mornings in the library. And we did like, you know, looked up indexing, how to advance learn, like basically learned how to use Google out of the, out of the library, how to right. find stuff in the library, basically. And there was a kid in there that was really smart. He was really weird compared to the rest of us and much smarter than we were got dropped off in a limousine every morning, which is, we did not, we we're in a farm farming area. There's wasn't a lot of limousines running around where I grew up, there's cornfields. Right. And uh, so he was like rolled up and we did not get along. I cover that all in my book, how the dynamic of how that came about. And uh, you know, he says, my dad's an Illuminati. What's your dad do? Mm. And he hated my guts. And we, we really, we were rivals with each other in a way. And he point, his dad came in and was the judge for the science fair in April of 82. So this is the school year, 81 to 82. I was nine and 10. So some of my reports early on, I was nine years old, you know, but I looked back, but then after I thought about it, it was April, it was after New Year's and uh, I was 10. So I was taken at 10 years old. And uh, he pointed me out to his dad. So that's that boy I told you about. And that was on a Wednesday and Thursday night, the following, the next day, that night I was taken. I woke up with a gray ET in my, there was a lot of stuff that happened before um, like there was a craft buzz in the house with lights and there were orbs running through the house. The phone was ringing. There was a lot of weird, weird stuff going on, but I woke up with a, with a gray standing over me and a couple of short, smaller reptilian looking beings came at, from the end of my bed. They, I was paralyzed and they picked me up out of bed and carried me to the end of the bed. There was a flash of light and I lost consciousness and I woke up naked on a stainless steel looking table in a round gray room that was probably in an underground base somewhere it was in a base right. and uh with a bunch of ets standing around me working on me and i was excited i was i was happy about it i thought you know i knew at that age i guess all kids know i think a lot of i think everybody kind of at their core knows that there's life up there that right. there's life elsewhere i think everybody kind of knows it it's it's something that and then science the the mainstream has talked us out of being hopeful of it you know they've talked us out of thinking about it oh, yeah. but everybody kind of knows already when you look at the stars in the night come on i mean yeah. it's it doesn't take <laughs> oh it doesn't take a big leap to to conclude that life is probably you know everywhere i mean just as a kid at my age i could look up at this i already knew you know when we especially when they told us there were trillions of stars obviously there's you know we're batting 100 anyhow at that time, I woke up and I I said, I, you know, the first I was afraid. They said, don't be afraid. And there was telepathic communication with one of the rep, the short reptiles. Okay. They told me to not be afraid. And I sat there a minute to test it. And then, you know, kind of calmed down. And I said that I, yeah, I was, my response was, I'm so, I knew there was, I knew there was life out there. I can't wait, you guys, this, and I thought it was first contact. I thought that tomorrow tomorrow they're going to be on the news they took me and i'm special right 
And tomorrow they're going to be on the news and the world is going to have ETs. We're going to have friends that are from other planets. You know, like it was going to be the beginning. That was in my, in my mind, what was going on. And it wasn't like that. They were already, they've already been here for quite a time. And I was being taken as a, um, you know, out of spite for that kid because his dad had access to these programs. His dad had access. And a lot of people do, um, apparently. But they took me and and said they explained to me they had to get permission. I, I guess, you know, later on, I found out that people that don't give permission tend to be suicidal throughout the program. So they they get a permission and they didn't explain to me what I was going to go through. They just said, we need your help. We're going to take you for 20 years. And I said, I can't do that. I have my, my mom. I'll be grown up and my mom and dad will be older. My sister will be grown up. I have a family. And they said, no, no. And they explained that. We're going to put you back tomorrow. You're going to call, you're going to live for 20. This is life extension. So you're very lucky to, to have this. And you're very, you know, this is life extension. You're going to live 20 years and you'll go back and you'll be smarter. And you'll be able to, you know, tell them, but maybe you'll be able to tell them about all the stuff you did. Depends on where you go. And I said, wait, what? And then he explained to me, he said, look, you're going to go and we have the technology to put you right back. And I said, well, why not 50 years? Why not 60 years? And he said that there was a law, they had a law between them that all species, not just humans, can only go for 20 years at increments at a time because it increased the probability of going uh, mad, going crazy when you went back. Now, do you think that stemmed from the Eisenhower administration, supposedly, when they got... Well, I mean, I think that it was a corporate, um, a guy that was, had, it was a corporate thing, so... Yes. Yes. And no, like I, I haven't really given it much thought to be yeah. honest. And I, what, what I, what I remember, everybody was always asked who's in charge up there. Who, who was it? Who's running this? But you know, like people ask me these big questions and I'm like, you know, when I look back on it, they all worked together. So they were separate. Imagine separate corporations. Like we see, we see it today that um, different car companies have the same exact car. Yeah. Just you get what I mean? Name. Yep. Just a different name. They just change the name. They change a few, they change a few options and they brand their car and it's their car. It's totally branded. Like there's a Mazda truck that's exactly like the Ford Rangers, right? you know, but they're two separate corporations, but it's the same thing. They're sharing their information. And it was the same with the programs. The programs are separate corporations. The colonies, in fact, are separate corporations, but they share all their information with each other. There's a, there's a, there's a cooperation that they have. So gotcha. was it the Eisenhower guys? So was it the United States that took me? I don't know. Was it Solar Warden? No, definitely not. But was it somebody else? Uh, you know, like a different entity? I have no idea because I would during my time, I was traded from project to project. So I was traded from corporation to corporation. I was just a because I was unskilled. I was not. I was not groomed for what I was to do. Most people that get taken are groomed. Even some people prenatally, like while they're in the womb, they're already. Gen- modifying the genetics for them mm. to be a soldier or an engineer or whatever like they're they're grooming people to young age i wasn't i was just somebody that was intake they just threw in there you know for the heck of it they needed more labor right and to show me a lesson teach me to not pick on his kid kind of thing yeah when it when it goes back to the that kid didn't if i'm not mistaken uh wasn't there like a a, a trick that was kind of played that um you could kind of read people's thoughts or someone did that and so I came offended. in, so, right. So when 
when we would go, it would be Wednesday morning, I would go to class, the teacher would take, my regular teacher would take attendance. Mm -hmm. And then I was in tag. I was the only one in my class that was in tag. And she said, you can go to the library now, right after attendance and the announcements, you know how they do that. Mm -hmm. And it was an early day. She's like, you can just go ahead. We're not even going to have announcements today. I forget what, what was going on. She's like, you just go ahead. So I was early. And so were the other, there were, there were three or four girls and that boy, and they were sitting on a couch area. You know, they had little reading areas in the library and they were laughing. They were all started laughing. And so I walked up on them and said, hey guys, what's going on? And the one girl says, he can read your mind. And I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, I didn't believe that. Mm -hmm. And we're 10 year old kids at the time. So, um, and then she goes, go ahead, do, do Tony, do it. And he's like, no, I don't want it. She said, do Tony. And they said, just think of something like a song or a color or something. He'll tell you what it is. And at that time I looked at him and I, of course, you know, we, he and I did, we kind of picked, we were, we were antagonized each other. I was pretty jealous of him, to be honest, because he was so, he was very smart. He was smarter right. than me. He was smarter than me. And that's how, that was kind of my claim to fame at home was being a kid with, with good grades. Right. You, you get what I'm saying? Like that was yep. my identity around the house was being smart. And here's this kid that's smarter than me. So I was like, trying to shoot him down every chance I got. Oh, absolutely. So I said, uh, in my mind, again, I didn't believe for a second he could read my mind. But in my mind, I thought to myself, you're the ugliest kid in this whole school. And none of these girls will ever date you. I was like, you are completely <laughs> ugly. And none of these girls will ever be with you when you grow up. And when he looked at me, he was he looked at me and he was hurt. It like, and I went, whoa, whoa, you know, like, and I said, wait a minute, could you, could you tell, you know, like, I remember that moment, there was a stark moment. And then they were like, he said, no, just forget it. And the teacher came in like right at that moment. So that was the end of it. But ever after that, it was like, I, we were, at, you know, he hit, he headed out to give me, I was dead to him and he hated my guts ever after that. There was right. no making friends with him. And I tried, and you know, like, even though I antagonized him, like, you know, boys pick on each other yeah. and then we're, you know, we smack each other around the next day we're friends again, you know, mm-hmm. but young boys. And that's kind of how I thought, but he, he would never forgive. He never, ever shook it off after that. Hmm. Where is, uh, do you know where this kid is now? Like, is he successful? Yeah, he's alive. I found him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, so I've had a little bit of this lately. Um, I've had a few people that help me research every now and then somebody get a says someone will get a hold of me and email me and go, Tony, man, I saw your interview and I'm a, I'm a thing. I'm a Bob. I'm a, this, and I, you know, I'm a corporate researcher or a paralegal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was looking at this and I can look up these people that you were talking about, you know, give me, give me a heads up. Who's this? Let's, let's look for proof. Right. And, um, you know, I've taken it as far as I really want to take it with people. So there's a couple things. A lot of the illegal stuff, um, when I was in Seattle, when I was, I, so I went in through a 20 and back after mm-hmm. they abducted me, I woke up in, in, in Yokern air, airport and went through like an MK ultra, you know, like a trauma-based mind control. And then into a CIA project, which I found paperwork for and funding for with the dates that match up as was project grill flame. So it was an offshoot of funds from the project grill flame. And you can find that on the CIA declassified library.gov. There's a lot of documents. And then it morphed into center project center lane, the project gateway. And they were bringing kids. They put us through a mind control program, a trauma-based mind control so that we would obey and not kill ourselves. Mm 
and a few other things. And then they would give us drugs and put us near to death. And while we were just, just on the fringe of near to death, we would channel, they'd be able to talk to other intelligences. I don't know what you want to call it. Spirits, entities, I don't know, awareness, maybe other people that were alive somewhere else. I don't know, but they, I was, I was unconscious when it happened, but when I woke up, people would say that, you know, it was other voices that were talking to me, other people. And they were getting, they were getting information, you know, past and future events. They were getting valuable information. This was, they used us for drug smuggling. They used us for corporate, um, you know, information. They were doing business. They were, they were checking their business move. What's going to happen if we do this and that with us kids, they had, they had professional accurate psychics that they were cranking out in this program. Now, do you think that could have been their test version? Cause you said you were 10 years old and this is what early to mid mid eighties. Do you think that could have been their test version of what they supposedly do to some of these Disney stars? And like you, you see, you know, supposedly Britney Spears, you know, and, and many more go through this MK ultra type mind control thing. So a couple of things, I just, I just want to say that the, the people involved, so I don't mention names of people involved right. before I, I want to get back to your question. Just this whole, no, that, hold that thought. We'll do. I just want to say, because I've got people, because sometimes people get a hold of me and they're hot. They're like, dude, these people are, need to be brought to justice, Tony, and you're protecting them. You know, like what's up. They want to right. beat me up. But I have given their names to all the researchers. I've worked with elements of the government in the past. In 16, there were special forces that got a hold of me. There's a lot, there's a lot that's gone on, and I've shared all the information with anyone that could do anything about it. Gotcha. But they you got to think that these are people that have families, their kids that may or may not be involved, and it's not fair to them to 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 get dragged and have a bunch of you know uh, conspiracy theorists, researchers and messing with them. Right. And there's a lot. And, and I have a family of my own to think about to protect. So these are people that have no com- compunction. They have no problem hurting people. And so I, you know, I don't talk about their names and their places for that reason. Because you asked me where he is now. And, you know, I, I share it with, you know, privately with people that are, but ne- never publicly, I wouldn't do that. Right. So and I just think it's yes not, was perfect enough answer for me. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, sorry. Yeah. Well, I just want to cover that for the people listening, because like I said, I've had people that got a hold of me and they were pretty hot, you know, like they see my interviews. Why, why do you mean you're protecting these people that are having kids raped? You know, like, how dare you? But that's why, you know, there's, I have other things to think about. There are some things to think about. Um, what was your question again? We were talking about uh, that. When you're 10, 10 years old, these MK ultra type mind control, um, experiments you know to what you went through do you think those were the early stages of them honing in on these practices to do to like disney stars young pop stars movie stars anything like that because actually i think it was old news to them i think we were at toward the end of it i think that they were it was it was well along its way so the program in the beginning in Inyo Current, this is the first place I woke up after the night of the abduction. I woke up, right. I had no memory of where I came from, mom or dad or nothing, amnesia. They had, uh, there was one instance in the very beginning, they elect, they put you in an electric cage, they put you in your Fruit of Loom underwear and throw you in a, in a cage with like, a, with the two by fours, not mm-hmm. two by fours, but like oak hardwood timber around it yeah. and two, two layers of, of metal fencing. And so, and they electrify it. Oh, that was like day one. 
And what they do is they electrify it until you just give up. Like there's a breaking point. There's something, you know, I don't know. It's part of the process. But when they did it to us, there were only like a dozen kids, 10 or 12 kids that were in the program that I was in. They had a stack. They had an entire warehouse full of the cages that were decommissioned, that were from leftovers. So the equipment that they had for the program was, they had tons of it. So it was a left, the, the program we went through was a left, it was an experiment for the, for the remote viewing stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was with leftovers of a bigger program that they were already using for mind fracturing people. Okay. So it was very well advanced. And then the doctor the, that did it was, he specialized in the remote viewing aspect of it. And he was getting data on the ESP part of it when we were drugged. But in the beginning, during the mind fracture, he was reading it all from manu- old military manuals like big stacks of books that had the big round, the rings yep. for the binding, the military man, you know, like guides. Mm-hmm. He had a stack of four or five of them and he was reading it day, every day. It had stuff for him to log in there and it had, it told him what to do every single day. It was like a science. And so they had it totally down wow. with what was going on. When you talk about, when you talk about people that are possibly have gone through it, you know, when you're talking about celebrities, I, I hate to speculate, but I do see it. You do. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a look in their face. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's been broken. And I see it from time to time. You see it, you know, you really see it back there. Remember there for a minute, there was always a mass murdering, a school shooter. Yep. And I don't want to speak on subject matter. That's going to get you thrown off the air, but no, no, do you remember not. that it was like all of a sudden they were like trying to come up with gun ban laws. And it's like yep. every other Every three, four weeks, there was another mass shooting. And like every it was kid hot. had a look in his eye. He had a thousand yard stare yeah. and was totally not there. He was a blank kid. And now they were all, the common denominator that they all had was that they were all on medication. And a lot of them were from the same hospital in Maryland. Mm. So there was, you know, there, that to me had, that's why I didn't really get behind the gun banning thing. And I thought this is a move by the corporate by this is a move by somebody that has access to this kind of technology mind industrial grade mind control technology this is a move by an organization that has that tech to take our guns from us mm-hmm. because they want to do something worse and they did it in australia so you watched yeah. it play down play out they had two mass shootings and they got rid of their guns and then so fast forward years down the road we had the pandemic and Australia had the most draconian situations to live through. They all vaccinated. They're all, they were locked up for a long, very long time. You know, it just didn't make sense because they, they weren't going to argue about it with anybody. Right. Um, so that being said, I mean, I don't, th- I think it was well advanced well along the way. So okay. if this is something that they have down to a science. And I think nowadays that they have a better version of it. Um, I've talked with other people that say that it's, you know, they've abandoned a lot of the mind fracturing, the trauma-based mind control and gone into a form of, uh, Randy Kramer called it with the grain mind control. Okay. So that the people are more useful, can think on their own and not just, you know, mentally broken because ever after that, for the rest of that 20 years and actually into my life now, I was, um, very emotional, you know, very, very emotionally weak, weakened from it. Understandable. very understandable um so i don't know if you where you want to go after that um if i I don't i don't know how it sounds if i've lost listener yet with where we're at in the story but (laughs) no you haven't lost me 
Um, I was I was taken and I was taken to Inyo Kern and put through that program. And my guess is that it finished around that I was it was April of 82. So it went about seven months, six or seven months, like a six month program. They got us to a point where we were doing uh, they they it was sleep deprivation where mm -hmm. they they would wake us up every 15 minutes and shock us or smack us or something. And after a couple of nights of that, I had, I lost all care of, I had lost all sense of, of how many days I was basically asleep the whole time, you know, right. and I lost all sense of when, how many days we were there, how months I totally, I totally lost it. And they did that for a long time. I it's so much so that I remember when they let us finally let us sleep when it, there was a, they finished and uh, they let us sleep at a certain point. So, from there, I went to Seattle and I was privately owned. I rode a underground train that was very fast that went to, I think, San Francisco and then or somewhere in California and let people off the train. And then I ended up in Montana near Helena, Montana, and it was only two hours of a ride. So it was a fast moving train. It was underground and they drove us in a bus over to China Lake to a military building. And then we rode an elevator down and it came out into it, you know, deep into the ground and it came out into a train station. Oh, wow. And I was picked up by the wife of the another, you know, not the guy that was not, not the people back in Michigan that took me, but um, another Illuminati guy, a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And I was picked up by his wife and driven to one of the islands near Seattle. And I stayed there for a week or so with two other kids and witnessed them. And he was a practicing Satanist. He was doing satanic rituals and, and they were not, they were not in the form of a religion. I don't believe, I believe that it was more of a technology that they were, you know, the same thing that they were doing with us. Like they would do their little ritual and then they put us three kids on the table and put us under with our IVs and put us under. And so they were channeling entities. And I think that that's a lot of what that religion really is like at the higher level. Right. I think it's more of a technology and not a religion. Like they're not worshiping something. They're communicating with something that can tell them, give them information, inside information. Um, and then I was shipped off to Peru. I was flown to Peru, Porto Tawantinsuyo, Peru. And I'm saying that wrong, <laughs> but, um, Porto Tawantinsuyo, it's like Bocas, Colorado. Now, I think they changed the name of the town, but it's a river town inside and they were doing shipments of cocaine, uh, flights of cocaine from there once a month or so, uh, once a month from, from there to Santa Marta, Colombia. And they had lost a plane in bad weather or they don't know what happened to it. They, they assume bad weather, they lost, a plane went down and they had to buy a new plane and they were paying for me to be on board. And they'd give me an IV and put me under when we were up, after we were up in the air a couple hours. And I would tell them if they had bad weather or police or if they were lost, uh, it was like um, they had their own psychic on board. Gotcha. So if you think about that, if you think about the war on drugs, you think about how things in the world <laughs> work and the war on drugs how that all is has played out versus our incredible manpower money and technology and they still outsmart the war on drugs uh, you know the, the drugs won let's face it oh yeah totally the drugs totally won the war on drugs and so that was one of the things like they had actual cia funded um black technology of psychics to put on the shipments you know kids that were psychics and i was there for a couple years um 
it's so nice having the book that I can just refer people to, like check out my book. Um, right. I, I never even plugged that. So my website is tonyrodriggs.com, spelled with an S at the end, you know, Tony Rodriguez. And the book is called Series Colony Cavalier. It's on Amazon. And it, come, it used to not come up in the search, but now it does. It's finally sold enough copies. It was number one for six weeks. Oh, I nice. had the number one. Yeah, I had the number one new book. And then it was number one bestseller after like uh, five weeks, like, a, you know, number one bestseller. And it's tapered off a bit, but it's still a lot of people are buying the book and there's a Kindle Kindle edition. And a lot of people are buying it. The book really has a lot of detail about what life was like in, in Peru and Seattle, like a lot of stuff. But especially the early years, the, uh, you know, the MK Ultra stuff, like it was hard to write, man. Like it took me six years to write that book. Not because it's so, not because it's a big, not long novel, but because... I would write a paragraph and get depressed, you know, reliving it, what I went through. And right. a lot of people tell me they have a hard, there are people that can't finish it because it's just, you know, bothered, I, because they, the thought of a, that happening to kids. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, a lot of women are like, just the mother in me is heartbroken for that kid. You know, I've had a lot of people write me, you know, an email and they'll like, look, you know, Tony, I read your book, you know, thanks for talking about it, but just want you to know that I'm a mom. And if I was a little kid, just, I just want to give that little kid a big hug because it's unreal what they, you know, what they did. So I would warn anybody about the book and, um, you know, it's not PG or at all. It's a very, it's a very hard R. Um, after right around puberty, I started losing the ability. They put me under, he'd give me that drug and I'd start losing. I, he said, he said, when I woke up, my, my guy that took care of me was a, like, what, like a handler. Mm-hmm. He said that it was just gibberish that I was just talking in tongues, like gibberish, you know, after a certain age, you know, and I think I was getting around puberty and there might be a few of the reasons why not. But, um, so they sent me back and I went back to that same house in Seattle, back to my owner and they had remodeled it. And, uh, there were other boys living there and it was the, uh, they were doing political parties and they were rent renting out the boys. We were being used as sex slaves oh, and shit. I wasn't the older one that was good at it. And I wasn't one of the younger ones. So I was not purchased very often, you know, for that. It, they, were, they had parties there two or three a summer. And I was there for two summers that, you know, I went through that. But um, that was something, that particular testimony, so it was 2015 that I went on the record with this, that I went, I worked with it, and it was after 2015 that we had all the Pizzagate, the Hillary emails, all that stuff that's conspiracy theory nowadays. I was out before that, and I connected that to the secret space program. So it was just part of my testimony that was um, supportive back then, that researchers were like, what, you know, it was something that researchers knew. Some of the higher end researchers were aware of, but the general people in ufology had no idea that there was a Satanism, Satan, Satanism com- component or the, the, the sex slave part of it. Now, without and, naming any names, was this like local political party or local or was this state or federal type political figures? So there were some big, there were people that came in to, to, um, what it is, they had big, it's a big farm and they had parties for fundraisers that the public would come. They had like, you know, like 
fried chicken and you know right. thousands of people thousands of people five thousand people will come and um during the day and then later on like eight at night seven eight at night they everybody would leave and then at 11 at night they would have the vip stuff and that's when that's when the the and you hear about it today we hear we hear glimpses of what the celebrities are doing mm -hmm. it's that it's the same culture okay and uh, it would start later on at night and then go until the sun rose. as soon as the sun broke in the morning the party was over that was how they did that gotcha. but it was for it was a fundraiser for local government so okay. i found the guy he got in trouble for it actually bribing local officials and there was scandals again i found it in the newspapers like it was weird because i found in one in a newspaper from the area i found a picture of one of the parties and i said wow i remember i remember think about how weird this is so in me, Tony, when I, in my life from 10 years old until now, I mean, I, I did go to Seattle after I got my memories back. I went back to the house in 16, right. but before that point, I'd never been there. So, you know, my mom, dad, wife, sister, all those people can vouch for me. I've never traveled to Seattle. I've, I've been accounted for my whole life. I've never been to Seattle. And in 2016, I went there and I knew my way around. I knew it like the back of my hand. I knew my way around. It was, it was uncanny, but I'm saying I found in the newspaper picture of a party and it had these tents and i thought i remember unloading those freaking tents i remember we had to help carry the stakes out when they were setting those up i remember that day i remember right. that and it all checked out it was like it's like the weird it's like surreal to have that to have that happen yeah and the whole time but they were they were they were local but there were a few um big names that flew in from uh washington and there were a lot of military people there a lot of people you know um they were all different man they they had their themes some parties had their theme it was a different it was a different thing like a different crowd for a different party sometimes it was all military people sometimes it was corporate people like boeing and you know i don't want to i don't want to point too many fingers they're right now it's um, bigger politicians are they still in position today or they dropped out of the well scene? at the time i didn't know like i still when I see some of them, you can kind of, you, you just kind of get a vibe, you know, I go, Oh man, I know you, I know you go to them parties, you bastard. Right. And it's like, I've looked at some of them and looked at how old they were and when, and you know, like from what I, I remember bits and pieces, but you know, for the most part, for what was happening to me, I didn't care to identify anybody. And I was young. I was yeah. 13, about, I was about, I was there from about 13 to 15. Okay. Um, two summers that i spent there so that was how old I, so i was actually already old for the all the other kids that were doing the same thing like and they had several houses they kept the girls in a different house and the boys in one house um but at the end of that i uh became allergic to something they were giving us they were giving us pills every day and making us do calisthenics like we'd work out and then they give us pills and then we just lay around the rest of the day right. And they changed it up and I was allergic to some of it. I had an allergic reaction and they said, well, if you're not going to, if you can't take this and do this regimen, we're not changing back the medicine. We're just going to sell you to the military. You're going to get sold off. And, um, that's exactly what happened. About two weeks later, they, she took me to a, like behind a big box store to the dumpsters behind a box store. We met two guys in a van and they threw me in the van and gave me a shot. I was under and I woke up. So here's, here's where it's, it's like, you know, to somebody skeptical, it's hard to say this stuff, but I woke up on a flight to the moon. I woke up on a flight to the back of the moon, to a base on the back of the moon. When I came, when I came to with a, with a, 
I believe he was Air Force, could have been a Navy guy, but a guy in, you know, um, formal military dress sitting across the aisle. He said, you, you're going to be okay for me? You know, he's like, you're going to sit right there. He's like, there's a bag if you want to puke. And we had, we talked, you know, we, we had, we had 30, 45 minutes of flight time that we sat there and, and, uh, that's in the book, <laughs> but, um, they took me and put me through another round of kind of a more advanced, um, version of the mind control stuff. So not really trauma based okay. per se. They put me through a, t a bunch of surgeries that were painful. I went through a lot of surgeries, like modifications that they did. And I don't, that, I don't know why they didn't tell me, you know, like they kept me in a, like a, basically like a 10 by 10 cell, an eight by eight by eight cell, no bed, no nothing, just a pillow, a blanket. And it gave me food, like in a dog dish. Like that's what I, that was the living conditions. And I would get up, they'd hose me off every couple of days and I would get basic, you know, like pajama clothes. And then they would put me in front of a uh, computer screen, like, and it would it would just show me movies and, and it would ask you questions and your eyes would look at the answer and it would flash. Is this your answer? It would start flashing and just stayed looking at it. It tracked your eyes and then it would go to the next thing. And it was basically fight or flight response. They were just they were just programming me to not run from a impending death situation. Like, you know, people have a fight or flight response to violence or, you know, stress. And they were they were programming me to not run to just stand my ground and die. And we were trained as support soldiers for, uh, for soldiers that were working on Mars. And then we were flown to a, another base on the back of the moon and put in a, in a test bed, like an arena. And they put a giant bug in with us, like the size of a Harley, you know, like a giant bug. And uh, one of the kids, they put like a dozen of us kids in there and gave us explosives. And one of the kids ran up and blew it up, blew himself up. And that was, they all, there was, they cheered and lab coats came in and they, they took us and fed us well and, and let us stay the night on the, in, in the, on the cot in the, like a medicine, like in the hospital room, mm -hmm. you know, like all of us were in one big room with medical cots and they just let us sleep there. And then they flew us to Mars the next day on a bigger ship. And we were taken immediately when we landed at the base, like an underground hangar on, on Mars, we landed and when we got off the ship, they put bags over our heads and put us on another small craft and flew us to a forward base, to a forward underground base that had like, I remember five levels, but it might've been more, but I remember there were like five levels of it that it went underground. And the top level was like the armory and the, the hospital and the second level was the hangar. And then it was supposed to have administration, administrative, uh, you know, areas. And it was an empty base. There were only 50 people there or so. And it was the size, it could hold 200 people, two or 300 people. So they had had been overrun by the insects, by insectoids that live there. Okay. So there I go again, saying stuff that's hard to believe for people that have never heard it. But uh, I'm not the only one that has said this info. And I've always... Well, if you even want to touch on the religious aspect of it, for those that do believe in the Bible and what have you, there are certain beings mentioned in the Bible, like the salamander people, the people that look like ants, you know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. already documented in, in th that text. So, you know, it, if that's in a religious text, why, why couldn't it be real? You know what I mean? Well, um, 
You know, and the thing is, the thing that we've been taught, we've been conditioned from birth, really, to believe that life is very scarce, that there's Mm -hmm. no life up there. They made up this excuse. They made up and they made it sound like they put this logic behind it. And like the the book of Ezekiel, when you talk about the religious text, like it's on and on and on. The book of Ezekiel is one big abduction tale. The whole book, if you go back, you know, the circuit, the wheel, the fire wheel in the sky, he looked up, he went for a ride and saw the curvature of the earth. And um, so that, you know, when you look at those texts, but when we look at the science, what science told us when we were kids, and I remember that we had people, there was a scientist that came and I said, and I kind of argued with them when I was a kid, when I was like seven or eight, that, you know, how do you know there's not life up there? There has to be, there's trillions of stars, just the number is enough evidence you don't need to know and he said well you're right about that but at this time we don't even know if any of those stars have a planet around them and i said we know one star and it has life so it's we're batting it's a hundred percent you should look you should not be looking at it like there's no life up there you should be looking at that every single star has life because the one star we've checked out has life so it's a hundred percent what we checked out and he said no 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 we don't even know if they have planets he said you need to understand this, this is a science teacher or professor i think we went on a field trip to a college or something i forget you know a long time ago but i remember the conversation because it really made my skin boil and he said that science goes on what it knows for 100 percent proven he said and right now we can only prove that there are stars up there we can't prove that there are any planets around the star so if we found one planet around out of a thousand stars, then we'll have a number and we could come up with a better number and possibly say that there's life. And this is in the seventies, you know, I was born in 72. So fast forward, I think it was Oh two, Oh one, Oh five, somewhere. They started finding exoplanets and now they're fine. They're getting better at it. And they found they're up to 5,000 exoplanets. And I don't know, 80 of them that are like the earth that they found and they keep finding them every day. So now the number has changed, but, the public opinion isn't up to speed with what science is now. Now the scientists are like, there has to be life up there. There's planets everywhere. Now that equation, that, that entire gateway gate that, that stopped us from, from entertaining the fact that made everybody believe that there's no life up there. That was the gate that they did. Now that gate doesn't exist anymore. And quietly, they haven't told us, they haven't celebrated it that like it should be like now science is fully aware that with all the, not only, not only back that, but, they've discovered way more galaxies. There's trillions more galaxies than what they knew back in the seventies as well. So the number is staggering and it's conclusive. So because they're finding, not only are they finding planets, they're finding habitable planets and, you know, earth, earth-like planets. So the number that I remember from my time in the space program, that there was seven out of 10, seven out of 10 stars had an earth-like planet around it or a habitable planet, okay. seven out of 10. So when you look at the night sky on a clear night, seven, out of every 10 of those stars has a civilization around that's, it. Think about that. A lot. So that's where we are really conditioned to not believe that. So and then when you talk about the religious text, the Bible, mm-hmm. like that's how widespread life really is. Like Mars has life, indigenous life there. Those insectoids that are very big, they've lived there since back when Mars had water and they're smart, they're intelligent, they live underground and they have, they're living their life. And mm-hmm. Life is everywhere. And we're conditioned, we're so conditioned from that 1970s framework to say that, you know, people like me that come forward to talk about what we've seen and what we experienced in these programs are crazy because we don't even know if there's planets around those stars. But now we do. That's what I'm saying. The whole, the whole framework around the whole discussion is just 
you know, buried and yeah. people, people, we, people, we grew up and we were out of school. So, you know, I don't know what they're telling the kids nowadays, but you know, it's not great. No. And, um, but the fact is that science are science is fully aware that there's life out there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know where pick up where I left off, but I want on the Mars base. I was only there for about, um, two or three months. And they canceled the program. We were doing combat missions. We were doing hiking missions. And um, we engaged the insects. And I was hurt badly. And we had fatalities And on the program. It was a program to make um, cheap soldiers, support soldiers for the real soldiers that were expensive. That took okay. a long time to create. It took a long time to train and have a soldier that could handle all the tech that they had. And it was expensive. I mean, you know, maybe not money-wise, but in, in resources. And so they wanted they wanted to put numbers on the battlefield. So they were having using guys like me that came out of nowhere and with, you know, trauma-based mind control that were not very talented just to go out and offset the numbers of the insects. And what they found was that they adapted way faster than they thought they were going to. So they canceled the program. So we stayed there at that base for a few weeks. And they shipped me back to a bigger city, like an underground city. And it looked really, you know, it was underground, but it looked fancy. I mean, there were tall ceilings, flowing, curved architecture, very, very intricate work, um, very modern looking architecture, comfortable. There were palm trees and, and water features in the big area, big domes that were underground that were clear. And you could see the dirt. It was dirt. And at the very top of the dome, you could see a blue sky coming through. So they were, uh, it was a well-established, it had been there a long time, and it was a very modern-looking society that they had a lot of heavy military influence. Hmm. But I was given my own room. I had like a, you know, like a hotel room that I lived in, and I was, it was another thing. It was a, a tall gray ET that was in my instructor, and we did, uh, plugged me into the same type of system they had, the learning system from, that I remembered from the moon, and um gave me aptitude tests on what I would be good at, what kind of job I would be good at. And it was skilled labor. And I ended up in machine repair or not machine, but ship, ship maintenance, maintenance for ships. And then I was shipped off to the series colony corp where I lived the whole, the rest of my 20 years, I lived on the planetoid series in between Mars and the asteroid belt. And these people that ran that were people from Nazi Germany at the end of World War II, they went into space and started a colony there. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure that anybody that hasn't heard this before, I've, I've lost you already, but that's the truth. That's what I remember, man. Well, I don't think you lost them because my audience is pretty much into this stuff. Because when you when you talk about the Nazis, um, you also get into Antarctica and New Schwabenland. And that's right. Everything that, that goes on with we, that. And We called it high command. Okay. We referred to the Antarctic, the Antarctic base that was under the ice. We referred to it as high command. And when we went there, our ships did go there and we were subject to inspection. We had to clean everything and have everything you know, like, no, no button out of place. You had to make sure all your stuff was high and tight shirt tucked in all of it. They were very strict about whenever we went there and we didn't go there often, but we did go there. Well, it makes sense to, uh, I guess have high command in the Antarctic, because if you are coming <clears throat> from outer space and organisms obviously are going to be on your ship and, and product and what have you, 
what better place to land than in a sub-zero, you know, hmm. temperature? That way they don't, it kind of would slow their reproduction down or ability to, I don't know, like like germs and viruses, obviously, they, they go dormant. I had, hadn't thought of that. Um, what they did for the sterile, they, we really didn't pay, as, as far as where I was at on the ship, like lower deck and doing mm-hmm. the engineering, like I ended up being an engineer in my last few years up there, like cargo engineer, which was a much better job than working on an old submarine, which I never really saw out the window that like eight years. I never saw out the window. I never knew the ship was moving. I just lived, I was down, down in the bottom of the ship and refilling fluids and fixing broken valves and things and checking, you know, just maintenance. I was doing maintenance, me and two other guys. Um, but I didn't really pay attention to that. We really didn't worry about any of that cross-contamination. We really didn't. There was hmm. a system, there was a system in place that did that. Okay. With that. So the ship, the ship had an automatic thing that sterilized itself. There was something in place. There was so on series colony, when when you left and went into the colony, you there was there was recommended social distancing. Okay. Because we had ETs that visited from all over that they would come and like it was an open door. They had the red carpet out. They wanted to trade with other species. And so there was recommended social distancing. And I was supposed to never talk to ETs like mm. because I was mind, I was mind fractured right. and telepathic ETs. Like they could actually get, you know, tap, tap into my trauma. And so I was supposed to never speak to, to any of them, never address them. But I did stand, you know, like we rode the train together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you know, you ride the bus, um, there'd be ETs on the train. Could you describe kind of what they, some of these might've looked like? Or There was a bunch. I, you know, and the other thing is at the time you, you take it for granted. Um, there were two, there were two kinds that lived there. that were part of the colony that mm-hmm. they were, you know, I don't know how many, what kind of population, I would guess a few thousand, but they were taller. They had hair. They were taller with an elongated skull, big eyes, and kind of weird, weird um, proportions where their elbows were and their knees, and um, alterin, alterin, some something like that. And then there was another um, species. There were less of them, and they managed all the businesses. They were big guys. They were like nine feet tall, very wide hips, um, black, small, beady black eyes, and hair, curly hair, and hair. You know, mm-hmm. but. Um, I, I stood next to a reptile. I stood, I rode on the train with a big, like 11 foot tall blue lady that was beautiful. Like she had very, very advanced clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a reptile, there were grays. But um, that, that was about it. Like, like I, uh, I avoided places that had a lot of bts i did have conversation and meet other humans that were not from the earth that they were not from our solar system they were humans though and they were from another planet somewhere else and they you know yes and they were actually common that we were told but i actually sat across the table from a guy and hung out with him you know in the club and you know with when I was going to see my girlfriend, I did have a girlfriend towards the end and I was sitting there with my girlfriend and he was there and I talked, he was a short, he was a short guy. He looked like a short, like a college kid age. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, kind of a flamboyant. He was dressed a little bit more. His clothing was like bigger collars and kind of you know more flamboyant from where okay. he was from. But he was a very smart guy. He said he felt sorry for me. That uh, he said, I feel sorry for you, and not only you, but your whole planet. He's like, you guys aren't. We're. He said, we're way ahead of you guys as far as, you know. Um, I don't. I don't. He didn't use the word freedom, but he said that we are kind of kept in the dark, like slavery. Like we're. He's like, we we have an open society. You guys are still in the dark about everything. You guys are still being, you know, enslaved. Gotcha. You know, he's like, I come from my planet. Everything's open. We know everything that we all, you know, he's like, I really feel bad for you guys. He's like, I'm free. I said, you can go to other stars you travel and you can go. He's like, oh yeah, I can go anywhere I want, but I'm just here on business. And he said, and I stay busy enough to where I, I don't go everywhere I want because I got so much to do kind of thing. That's crazy. But he was a, he was a normal guy, you know, just like us. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. Well, you know, for us. Yeah. For, yeah. For us. Cause for us. So, for me at the time it was just like it wasn't anything it wasn't anything new the the thing that was uh you know out of my time up there the thing that really stood out that was wondrous to us was when when we traveled to other places like it was always it never got old kind of thinking that you were on another planet you know we went to we went to many many different places very far away we were told that you know, you can see something like 3000 stars or something, 7,000, I don't know the number from the mm-hmm. earth, from your naked eye. We were told that we never go to any of those stars, hmm. that everything that we wanted to trade for was beyond that. That's how we went much farther than that. We never went to any of because basically everything to put it in, to put it in terms, everything in those stars, that place that you can see from around the earth, all the stars that are nearest the next 3000 stars, everything's the same price. Okay. It's already one big one big um, society, all those worlds have already traded with each other. You have to go, to find anything at a good deal, any kind of tech that nobody knows about and get a deal for it, you have to go much farther in the galaxy and actually to other galaxies oh, to wow. um, to trade for, for tech. And so our missions were all very far away. And, and we would leave and get back. The currency, they don't, you know what I mean? That That is the- Everything was about Universal tech, period. Yeah, okay. Yeah knowledge like there were there were there were times that i was told that we gave like three or four shiploads of things for a mathematical equation that we would load the ship up the entire ship up with cargo for goods all expensive stuff and take it and drop it off to these people and all they think they gave us was a like an algebra equation that solved something for the scientists and it was that valuable you know like that was that's that is the real currency in the cosmos is knowledge Okay. You know, um, things like art and and um, pharmaceuticals. So right. there were things. So, you know, coffee that grows here um, is different than coffee that grows on another planet. They take the same plant and grow it there and it has a different taste kind of thing. So right. that there are things like that that are unique to worlds that we would trade and get some and then give it, trade it to somebody else for. But our mission was, the mission was not to boldly go and seek out new life. <laughs> The mission was to acquire advanced technology under all under any means necessary. Like it was goods for tech, tech for tech, no matter what. Like it was we were to acquire technology. That was our that was the ship's mission. Okay. Now when you'd go yeah. out, how long would it take to go out? Do a mission instant. Oh wow. We would go and we would make five, six stops a day in a six, six to eight hour day and be back. 
And the other thing is, so it's hard to explain this. And so I, there's the thing is, there's what it is, there's no quick way to explain this. Right. Uh, but we would leave in the morning at, you know, let's call it 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. We would get, we would get, a, I'd have to get up, go through the showers, get dressed, go out, get inspected. I had a slave collar put on me, a, a shot, basically a shot collar at the gate. And then when I went through the gate, there were trains. And a lot of guys were going to mines on series. They'd go there and work. They were mining out big areas so that they could build new towns. Okay. I went to the hangar bay, hangar, and then I got off and walked to my gate. And then I walked, got in line, and you went through a security checkpoint. And then I would go into the front of the ship. I, I had a ba- I had a clearance, and I'd go to the front entrance and ride the elevator up to the mission briefing, and then grab a coffee and a bagel or something, and then walk. I had to take the same route in the ship and walk down my ladder, down a fast ladder, go to my post. Then the ship would leave. Let's say it left at 8 a.m. It would, we would go out, and like I said, it would be six to eight hours, um, depending on if we had stuff, what, what we had to do. We, sometimes we had short days, we'd go back, they put us to work back in, in at base. But we would get back at 7.55 a.m., be, five minutes before we left. We would appear five minutes. So as far as the, so the ship could instantly jump to another star system, like they, whatever they did, their jump system, they opened a wormhole and could go through it. But the ship at maximum speed from A to B, like hauling ass, mm-hmm. they would they would be five minutes away from series five minutes before they left. And wow. by that way, the guys in the control tower could see if the mission failed or not and stop the mission from going. So like I said, there's no easy way to explain this. But what, what I'm saying is if the ship went out and we were we were robbing somebody or doing, doing an aggressive mission and we got killed. Mm-hmm. The ship would not come back five minutes before they wouldn't see it. And they would just stop the mission, scrub the mission and we wouldn't leave and they wouldn't lose the ship. If that yeah. makes sense, we get your head around that. It's, it's hard to do, but that was, that was the thing. I also did the math. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to get it, but basically it was like 18 years out of my 20. I was gone from 82 to 2000. Okay. And there are reasons why I know it was 2000, but I did, it wasn't a 20 years on the earth timeline because Every day I was losing eight hours a day for like six years, seven years. And it added up to two years at the end. So it works out. There's a, there's a lot of other details of why, why I concluded that, 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 that that's what happened, but that's basically what I remember. That was the lifestyle. And then, so we would get back and they would put it, make us go to school. They, we would go and get, we'd had class for, you know, another six hours. It'd be six hours of flying and six hours or seven and then you'd go back to your barracks you know where it was, was like a prison and then i'd go back there and if i didn't have anything to do they would put me to work i'd be doing laundry all night till six at night you know so they were long days right and so when i got to the point where i could travel where i got money or i could buy um, a train ticket i would kind of s- stay away from home because they would make put make me do laundry or put them, throw me together you know you if you were sitting around doing nothing they would just come and grab you and you'd have to go to work so that's kind of what the lifestyle was like back then. But there are rules about time travel. So there, I was told that there are beings that police time travel. There are beings that are very powerful that live outside of time space that stop people from that. Once they acquire time travel, they stop people from 
screwing with the time going back and and you know and everybody's always like well what happens if you go back and kill your grandpa well you know what you can't they won't let you okay. you'll go back and try to kill your grandpa and these one of these beings will stop that and the punishment they said was like severe like a thousand years of a horrible life they put you in a horrible situation for a thousand years and then mm. put you back to the moment they grabbed you and said don't do it again or next time it can be longer and that was the end of that you know like that the punishment is very severe and there was nothing you could they would just take your mind and put it somewhere you know you'd live some horrible existence for a very long time and there were german there were i knew this because soldiers that i walked with told me that there were guys in the very beginning the first missions when the series colony was set up and they first acquired that those ships that could do that that there were guys that got punished that way that they were going back and they were causing um you know paradoxes and that these beings stepped in and said we're going to watch you and so that was the end of, that was the loophole the ship did not get back five minutes before it left because it was five minutes away at full speed but the control tower could see the ship there hmm. and then go okay the mission good go ahead let them go or if the ship wasn't there or in the wrong spot they'd be like something's wrong here cancel the mission and they and i was told that immediately the ship that it that there were times when the ship came in the wrong spot. Only the captain knew the exact coordinates where the ship was supposed to reappear. Right. And it would be in the wrong spot. And they canceled the mission. And they said the ship that was in the wrong spot would immediately disappear. It would like it never happened. From the second that they decided, they said, cancel it, you know, scrub the mission, that that ship would disappear. That that's how, that, that that's how uh, time travel really works because we always see different we always see different mechanics in in Hollywood of how, what time travel yeah. you know what I'm saying what how it works but that that was what I was aware of that instant it was instant when they changed something from the future there was something it would be instant and across the board like you there'd be no memory of it and when they did have a mission scrub they 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 would brief us um they wanted to know what we dreamt for the next week for hmm. the whole crew they wanted to know if you had any weird dreams you need to make it known because people would dream about things that happened on the mission i guess okay now i i have a question um i don't know where you stand religiously um how does this change your view on everything that we've been told about religion here on earth and so what would where do you think we go when we die then you know what I mean? If if we're this, if the universe is this advanced, it is 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 it something like reincarnation, or you, you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't want to go on. I don't. I don't want to be. Um, first off, I'm not qualified to tell people what to believe, right? right. So there's just my disclaimer a, for everybody yeah. listening. I'm not a priest or something, right? So I'm just a normal guy. In the beginning, I. Uh, when I started, I got, cause I always remembered the first 30 minutes of the abduction. I didn't remember the whole 20 years. I remember flashes of, you know, and when I was like 19, I wanted to find ETs in the Bible. Right. Cause that's a big thing. So anybody that's seen an extra, anybody that's seen an extraterrestrial starts looking through religious texts eventually to find the history of, right. And I didn't find what I wanted in the Bible. And I started, I thought, well, there's gotta be somewhere. And I read everything I could get my hands on the Torah, the, you know, um, the Quran. I read Chan Buddhism. Chan Buddhism really does uh, allow for extraterrestrials. They like, they like, they're, they're really matter of fact about it. There's, there's, there's life all over the universe, all over the cosmos. Is Chan Buddhism. Okay. So that was something that was of note. But when we were up there, they preached atheism to us. Hmm. 
as a citizen on the series colony, they, they told you that there was no God and you're just going to die and that's it. And what I found was that the command structure, the people that were in command, the cap, the colonels and generals, that they had their own religion, that they worshiped a creator God, the creator of the universe. And, um, you know, me personally, I'm a big fan of the law of one. I believe in reincarnation. I don't think, I think our lives are too specific to just get one right. life. And the times that I was in Peru, when they put me under, I would, I would, um, you know, get in touch with things, the other lives, other experiences that, you know what I mean? Like we'll call it past life or whatever. There were mm -hmm. just, it's weird to explain. Um, so I do believe in reincarnation. I think, honestly, I think that even if you personally don't have anything with it, I think there's a great deal of evidence we have so many children that come forward and have intimate knowledge of nearby towns or people. And I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. Reincarnation, I think is a real deal. And you, you can see the same people. Like I've lived long enough where seeing people grow up that are just like other people. And I look back and when they died and when they were born and there was just a month apart, like the other person died and this person was born a month later and they're exactly alike, the same yeah. people. Yeah. And uh, I, I really am a big believer in reincarnation personally. And okay. so um, I think that it's actually, um, the other thing is that we were fully aware that there are other human, there are ETs, there are other humanoid species that are we're, like, we're not the top of the food chain, right? There were humans that lived for 500,000 years. There were, there were beings that were like us that had incredible mental acuity, mental powers. They had, they had a chart of, of words like, you know, uh, insects or yeah you know, insects have a few words and dogs and mammals have you know dozens 50 70 words and humans have 150,000 there were beings that had half a million words a million and a half words and then eventually went to data like raw data that they they don't even use words they use data to communicate okay. these are these are the next levels up and so because of that i believe that we reincarnate i believe that we come back and, and that, you know, we aspire to be something else. Like you're going to live as a, and I believe that there are people that their last incarnation, you, you see people that behave like animals. Mm -hmm. There are people that behave civilized and there are people that behave like animals. And the reason is because the civilized ones were a human in their last life. And the people that are misbehaving were animals in their last life. And it makes perfect sense for them to treat people the way they do. And so we see that we see different, like, like octaves, like the mm -hmm. law of one explains that there are octaves to your being, to your density. We're a third density being, but there are seven or eight levels of it before you go to the fourth density, because you have to keep reincarnating, and get better at it. And people that just come into this density from the last one, from being literally an animal, they behave the same way. They behave very impetuistic, very violent. You know, you see it, we see it. Yeah. There, there are millions of criminal people like that in the world. And that's how it seems like it makes sense that it explains it. It does um, make a lot of sense when you break it down like that. Yeah. Well, well the, what I'm saying is that we, that's another big, great lie to us. And when you look at religious texts, the Bible is full of it. So, so um, my wife and her family said, if there were aliens, if there were aliens, they'd be in the Bible. And I said, you mean like angels that ascend back into heaven that would, can fly? You mean those guys that literally live in space? like the definition of extraterrestrial like angels like the first half of the bible is full of nothing but angels came down to me in shimmering clothes like jesus when he when he when he got reincarnate when he got rose up the third day mm -hmm. and the, they went back to the to the cave and the stone was moved 
there were three people there with shimmering clothes to tell them that he was risen. There were ETs there. Right. There were extraterrestrials standing there. So that's by definition an extra. They didn't live, you know, on the earth here. So it's all over the Bible. It's all over the re religious texts and the true nature of the universe. Back to the Chan Buddha, the, the Buddha religion that was very matter of fact. And all their ancient texts from 600, 800 years ago, they're like very matter of fact about life in the cosmos. They say that the universe is a machine that creates enlightened, be uh, enlightened beings. So each incarnation, you get a little smarter and you, you, know, you pass and fail. The other thing I think that I think that knowing that there are beings, the, knowing that there are um, humans that live for a thousand years, would you want to be yourself for a thousand years? I don't know. Like, would, well, would you want to be a girl? No, I don't think so. Well, how would you know? Because that's never, why we yeah. live only for 80 years. We can do it. We can test it. We can taste test it. Do you okay. get what I'm saying? Like we yeah. can be in this life. I can be this kind of person. And the next one, I can try to be something else and then see which one I like and then move on and be what I'm going to be for a thousand years. Do you get okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah like yeah. to be comfortable at it. And so you, this is a test. We only live for 80 years. We only live for a short time. And, you know, well, this interview got it very profound, very quick, you know, <laughs> rather than just talking to the guys, we got into some deep stuff. That's good. The, um, you know, I've had people ask me, why is there suffering like what you went through? You know, people that uh -huh. know what I went through and they go, why would you do it again? And I'm like, I wouldn't change anything that I've done in my whole life, because it's me, I, I would be a different person. If I changed, if I didn't go through what I went through, I'd be a completely different person right now. Right. So I wouldn't change it because I don't know what I'd be. I, what if I turned into, what if I was worse off? Right. And they said, well, how can you, how can you, um, justify with that kind of suffering? Like, why is there suffering? And you know, if there's a God, why does he let suffering happen? And I said, well, you know what, if, when you think about living forever, 80 years of suffering really isn't much. Mm -mm. It's not a big deal. And, you know, 80 years, when you're talking about living millions of years of incarnating millions of years, then 80 years or even 800 years isn't a big deal of your suffering. If you're learning something, you know, it's like, it's not fun to go to the dentist, but it's a, but you know, we do it because you, you it's for your health. It's, it, it'll improve your health in the long run. Right. And it's 30 minutes of suffering for out of your, out of your 80 year life. It's minor, you yeah. know? And our incarnations now, because a lot of people, I'm not the only one, like I always keep saying that I went through this and I went through that, but I, I, I'm fully aware that I'm not the only person in this world that suffered anything. There's a lot of people that everybody's had their own amount of trauma. And what I'm saying is that it causes, it makes you who you are. It causes growth. So I'm also in no way encouraging trauma by, to anybody. Either. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, 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 no encouragement of, of trauma at all. Um, but when you, when you talk about reincarnating, um, do you think it's possible to, okay, once we've lived our life in, in this flesh and we reincarnate, is it possible to reincarnate as one of these other ETs or one of these other, I think absolutely. Okay. So, and I'm, I really have a peeve. I don't know if you've ever, if you're familiar with the regression, they do the astrology readings or the, the hypno hypno regression that people mm -hmm. do nowadays. So people that are like me that have these memories, people that have an, an abduction experience in, in ET or a governmental, like an abduction experience, hypnotic regression is really like the, you know, the big procedure to get your memories back. Gotcha. 
I feel that I have a memory course. I sell for like 40 books, a memory course that it's on my website. And I say, I always tell people like, do my course first for a while before you go get a regression. My, my course is a, is a, is an exercise to make your arm stronger mm-hmm. and a hypnotic regression is arm surgery. It's surgery. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Like that's the difference in, in, so try the exercise first and get kind of beefed up and then go get the regression and you'll be you'll have better results, I believe. So you're going to regression when you want. Right. But um, I forget where I was, what I was saying, what the question was with that, because I started talking about side stuff. Oh, re- but, reincarnating um, as a, uh, another ET instead. So of as an ET. ET. Okay. Yeah. So, the, yeah. So here's my peeve is that when you get an astrology reading or in a lot of regression, a lot of people just took a $200 course and they're doing regressions. All of a sudden, everybody's a Pleiadian or a super soldier. Yeah. Like literally everybody's a super, you, everybody's a super soldier. And once you get a regression by somebody that botches it, you forever believe that. So it's your, it's your subconscious and they, they're implant, they're front loading it into mm-hmm. people. Like you're a super soldier, obviously. And it's like, how would you know if they don't do that? You know what I mean? Like there, there are people that have come to me at, at talks. Like I go to talks, I'm doing the, um, in Grafton, Illinois, the secret space conference journey to truth. Okay. You look on their website. We're doing a live talk. It's a secret space conference. And it's a lot of people that have been through the same thing like me. So I'm look, so looking forward to it. It's in May. Nice. But when I go to these, I've met people that are like, you know, I was in the program too. And I'm like, really? And we start talking. Oh, yeah, I did this and that. And I was Pleiadian. And I go, what do you remember? They go, oh, I don't remember anything. It's just what they told me I did. <laughs> and I go, wait, what? Somebody told you that you were in the programs, that you did all this stuff, that you were in these wars. And you're going to run with that. I mean, with, and you don't have any, any memory at all because everybody I've ever worked with that had kind of like, I could fish out kind of, uh, you know, proof, let's call it sub, uh, supportive evidence. I could fish out supportive evidence from them. Everybody I worked with had memories that, you know, tangible. And when you have a memory, you can go in and get more stuff from your memory, right? Ghost, uh, how, how old are you? Uh, just turned 45. So what'd you do when you were 21, when your 21st birthday? Uh, I was in the military and got pretty drunk. You got drunk. You remember who was you with? How many guys that night? Uh, probably like a few of my, my buddies, probably three or four of them. See how that memory worked? You weren't mm-hmm. thinking about that 10, 20 seconds ago. That was not anywhere in your front of your mind. It was in the back of your mind. Right. I hit you with the memory. Then you, you were like, oh shit. Now, and now you remember the military. And I said, how many guys? And now you remember those guys. And you're already thinking about really in the back of your mind. I already know that you're thinking about one or two of those guys. Like what, like you can see a visual of it. Like mm-hmm. it's, I can unpack this. We can keep going. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like how tall was your buddy that was there? And then who, who else got drunk? Like you don't got to answer that, but I'm right. saying that's how memories work. That's not how dreams work. When people dream this stuff up, they can't do that. Gotcha. And so when you unpack memories from people, so somebody that has no memories has no business talking about this stuff. Right with zero memory, zero. Right. And what's happening is everybody's a Pleiadian. Everybody's an Andromedan. Everybody's from Antares or Arcturus or a star nearby that we can see. And that's bullshit because people are incarnating from planet to planet across galaxies from trillions of other stars where there are 7 billion people on the earth and they didn't all come from the Pleiades or they didn't all live through Egypt. Everybody starts at the, you know, you were alive back in Egypt. No, I wasn't. I wasn't here. I was in a somewhere very far away that I incarnated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I just went through a government military program that put me in a state of mind that let me remember that stuff. 
And so people that don't remember it are being kind of fed a line and being dragged along because that's what the first, the first set of, of rules, the first set of hypnosis that came out that taught people this stuff, that's what worked. That's what they got out of those people that everybody was lived in Egypt and stuff. So I hate to bag on it and sound like I'm against it, but there's a, there's a, there's a form of logic that's not being brought oh, to the absolutely. table in the and discussion. I, so people incarnate from very far away from stars that we do not know the names from planets. We don't know the names. So you can't say that, Oh yeah, you were definitely a Pleiadian. You know, I have a weird and odd question for you. I don't have any memory of ever being abducted. Okay. Um, however, uh, when I was a little kid, ET came out. Okay. When, before I even went to see it in the movie theater, I had the pajamas, I had the poster, I had the little finger that you'd put on and it would glow. I was obsessed. Parents took me to see ET, freaked me the fuck out. I can't even watch it to this day. And I'm, I'm just turned 45 years old. My, my, my wife and my, my ch- kids tease me about it. You know, every now and again, they'll, they'll just send a, you know, a text message with a meme of, you know, ET or whatever. Um, and then in like teenage years, you know, you, you started seeing, you know, UFOs and grays, you know, becoming popular images and what have you. And they always kind of freak me out too. Um, do you think, and I know you're not an expert and it's just going to be a, your humble opinion. Do you think there is something that maybe possibly I might've went through either a, in a past life or, um, or something that actually did happen to instill this. It's almost like a, a, a genetic fear. You know what I mean? Like, like chickens have a genetic fear of so if they see a hawk. You were young yeah. when that came out. Like that was like 1980 something. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You were like five or six. Five or six. Yeah. So still super young. So what I tend to do when, pe- so people, people literally pay me and, mm-hmm we'll talk for an hour and I'll sit down and just kind of get Cause what happens is I get a, so I would write down when you were born, when you saw the movie, mm-hmm. what you felt, what your other, the next time you had those feelings and kind of just put a date around it because I find that anybody that's had any kind of abduction, it's not a one and done. Right. It's, it happens several times in their life. And because the, uh, uh, you know, I want to get back to your question, but I just I just want to say this: like, what we're not thinking about the abduction uh, phenomenon the way that they may necessarily be performing it. So we think about it as you know they came and got me, and I was five, and then nothing happened. Then I was sixteen. It must have been a different guy. Different ETs came and got me. But what, what's really possible is that a crew of guys can come and get you when you're five, put you back, and then travel time to when you were sixteen, the same night for them. And grab you back in the laboratory and continue the experiment and then put you back and go get you when you're 35 and then when you're 70 and then close out the experiment and they're done and they go back to they go home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's never a one and done ever. Every uh, 2,500 plus people I've worked with, not one of them ever just had one experience. It's always more than one. So that's what I would look for. You know, with your question, I would look for where you were born military people mom dad uncle grandpa in the navy i'm looking for navy people army based people yeah right so 
you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get into too much stuff on the yeah. air while we're recording, right. but um, there are, there are accommodations. Where'd you live? Where's the base? Where are you at? What you're, um, what you went on to do other kind of things. So there is something very, we, they call Jason Rice coined the term party gifts that they give you to avoid the subject matter. So mm-hmm. people that are in the programs will be programmed, you know, like, like industrial gate grade hypnosis to avoid talking about the subject and they'll, or, you know, they'll start writing it down and turn drowsy, get sleepy. So there's stuff like that. So it could have been, you know, um, you could have been, somebody might've pulled a prank on you when you were a kid yeah. and, and, and you just were freaked out by the, by the mask, the part of component of it. There could be, there could be anything that solves it. You know, you're the, you're the one that knows it more than I do, but right. my method of, of extracting that is to look at your whole life till now and say, gotcha what are the times that you felt that way? When were the times that you felt that way? And then start looking and then, you know, there are a lot of other common denominators to shake out. Right. And, um, I just always chalked it up to being a little kid going to the movies and, you know, it scared the shit out of me, but then, you know, you, you hear people's testimonies like, like yourself and others and, you know, about UFOs and, and aliens and extraterrestrials and, all this and then you just start kind of thinking and then having conversations with other podcasters and it's just like well why would i have that fear it, you know what i mean because i have no like i said i have no memory of ever being abducted uh, being not nothing like that nothing crazy and and at the end of the day i probably i probably wasn't and probably i was just a five or six year old kid got the shit scared out of me because the movie was a little bit more terrifying than the the poster on the wall you know what i mean there, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things, you know what I mean? Like you could have might not have been abducted yourself, but saw the sister go or, you know what I'm saying? Like right. you could have, it could be something like that. There could be, there could be other things that you just don't remember, you know, yeah. very few people remember any other contact that actually have it. Um, but I would, I would tell you not to, not to uh, obsess on it. Oh, no, I you know, on the I thought just figured- of it why I you're here well why not ask you know what I mean mm-hmm. like because like I said I talked about it with uh another podcast friend of mine and you know he he kind of he runs upstate unconventional so he does a you know paranormal you, you you know abduction type things and me and him were just you know shooting the shit one day about it and you know we just kind of like yeah it is kind of weird that you know you have that fear but like I said I just always chalked it up that I was a little kid and just didn't really like it so but who knows so, um, yeah, well, like I said, that it, there'll be a reoccurring, there'll be a reoccurring string of events that most people I can kind of fish out. And, uh, it's, it turns out to be supportive when you can get ahead of it when they go, yeah, well that happened when I was, you know, when I was five and then right. again, when I was 10 and I go, well, what, what about when you were 30 and they go, wait a minute, how'd you know that? when i was 30 it happened again and it's because they're in the same clock you know like the 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 ets have their own clock that they work on that makes sense well we'll wrap it up there and thank you again for your time this was a great conversation um once again let people know your website your patreon anything your book where to get it and um we'll close out there Yes. Um, so I have a Patreon show called Talks with Tony on Patreon. It's Patreon slash Talks with Tony. There's a link to it. There's a link to my book, Series Colony Cavalier, which um, 
like I said, did really well. Got a lot of great feedback. You know, 180 some reviews. Last I looked, there were two bad reviews. One guy was like, and one was in, totally incoherent, like the guy was drunk or something. <laughs> but everybody else got really good reviews. Um, everybody really um, that followed my story really uh, loved the book. So good. that's a, there's a link to that on my website. It's tonyrodrigs.com. And uh, you can get a hold of me. You can book time with me. And, and there are links to other um, interviews that are on there too, from, from a long time ago, there's links down at the bottom. There's quite, quite a bit on that site. And um, that's just what I do. That's what I do these days. So I'll be happy to come back. It was a great talk, man. I had a great time. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hook up again in, in the future. And uh, I'll talk to you for just a couple minutes off the air before I, I let you go. And, and uh, to my audience, don't forget, think for yourself. Bad shit, what you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Another sapien that's on the globe. Lost cold, looking for the direction, but don't nobody know. The only bit of insight that they ever sold me, I've been starting to find out, doesn't really hold. Every highfalutin piece of shit hidden in a tie, high motives to align goals. Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole. Someone gotta die, they don't care, they itemize souls. Tit jobs from Botox to light bulbs, light bulbs in my head of where I might go. I'm on a tightrope, walking this edge. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, shit. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, yeah. Fuck. And I've been wondering if, look. I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They normalize a real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thought's sick, I'll take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I want a soul search, find a place to bring in light But I can't cause, fuck I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant It's cap, you were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it, we batshit What we read in the covenant, it's cap We were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it I want the power to shake shit and shift shape Tap in the pineal eye without a mistake We have the power to live right and get straight But they found a way to remove this, they bitch made Hey, keep on calcifying glands with your flow ride while I flow ride the valor of rhyme. I'm flying high by the seat of my pants. A beat speaking to me, no, I'm talking back every chance. Hoping one day I make it overseas or to France. But in the Northwest, I trip without a traveling band, yeah. And that's word of my cat plug. I'm higher than giraffe puss. Look what the cat drug in. Now I'm scribbling this rap in the bathtub. At midnight, I don't fill it up with the tap cup. Soaking in my cannabis suds. Anything for a buzz. Reclaim my residue inside of a dab jug. Peel through a fat stash, burning the last snug. I picture this dimension I don't want to come back from. But here I am, still stuck in the bathtub. My brain fried, but honestly, I'm fine. I'd rather not have one. I'm batshit. I'm fucking bad shit, and it's your fucking fault. It's their fault. Straight up. I'm done. I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant. It's cap. You were fed by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Enough of it.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.